Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. Good morning. So glad to be here worshiping with you all again. Uh, In about six or seven weeks, my family and I will be moving to Princeton, New Jersey, where I'll be starting the MDiv program uh, at Princeton Theological Seminary. Uh, We can thank Mr. Rogers for adding some prestige to that whole uh, uh, scenario. Um, Happy Father's Day to all the fathers, those who stand in the gaps for fathers who are no longer with us. I pray that you're truly blessed on this day. This is the, uh, I have a son that's two, and a, uh, well, that's the, the newest edition, Dietrich. I call that a handmade teething toy. When you don't need a toy, you use your own hands, and this is Junebug. So Father's Day is special to me, and also because it's the first one I'm really conscious of. Uh, when you have newborns, it's all a blurb, especially when one is born in May. And we were inside for like two months after that. So, And yesterday, was my wife and I celebrated 16 years of marriage. Uh, and so I had to try to be creative yesterday for our anniversary. Uh, so I'm exhausted. <laughs> um, and Jumba got up at five to see me off, I guess, uh, this morning. The book of Isaiah, chapter nine, verse six, it's a passage of, of scripture usually used around uh, Christmas time, the birth of Jesus Christ, but I thought it was fitting for today. It says, for to us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Um, In the book of Isaiah, this passage represents the foreshadowing of Jesus Christ and the gift he will be to the world. And it says, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. This Father's Day, I want to talk to you about an everlasting father. Uh, About 14 years ago, God began to do a work in my life concerning my relationship with my father. And it all started through some awkward scenarios over the years uh, as I was returning home from the military. An interesting thing occurred. Uh, I was transitioning from the army and needed to stay with my oldest brother for a few weeks. And uh, during that same time, my mom and my dad just so happened to be transitioning too. And they both were living with my brother. And my mom and dad had long been divorced but found themselves under one roof. And for the first time in my life, I got to experience this. (laughs) I remember one morning waking up to go into the kitchen and my mom and dad were both in the kitchen. Uh, It was like they were both the opposite ends of a magnet uh, when you try to push them together. I remember saying to myself, awkward. (laughs) 
And then moments later, I was outside on the front lawn and my father came to the door and said, son, can you take my truck to the gas station uh, to put air in the tire that is going flat? Now, my first instinct was to say, you know, uh, put your air in your own tire, <laughs> being honest. I was younger then. But I can hear the spirit of the Lord saying to me to just do it. You've never had your dad to ask you uh, to do anything for him. And so I squeezed myself into the small Chevy S10 and drove down to the gas station and filled the tire with air. Do we have a... Now, even 14 years ago, I was a lot slimmer. This was still a daunting task to stuff myself inside of this truck and... I'm complaining all the way to the gas station, like, what are you doing, you know? But just a few moments later, as I was sitting in a, well, a few months later, we fast forward, uh, I was sitting in a psychology class at Pasadena City College. And this professor opening his lecture saying, you cannot expect someone to give what they do not have. And for some reason, when he said this, I began to think about my dad, so much so that I cannot remember anything else the professor said after that. So I started out on this journey to find out what exactly was it that my father didn't have to give. Um, this began a long series of phone calls with me asking my dad questions about his childhood. We would talk on the phone almost every day and I wanted to hear every detail he could possibly remember. So he begins to tell me this story about being raised by his grandparents until the age of 12. And when his grandparents died, he was sent to live with his aunt. And my great aunt raised him until he was drafted into Vietnam. But then I asked the question, I said, Dad, where was grandma? And he said, she was out running the streets. And then I thought to myself, wait, not my grandma. Because by the time I came of age, I only knew the kindest, sweetest grandma in the world. But then my dad began to share with me that by the age of 12, his biological mom and father both started new families, and he didn't fit into either one. So for most of his life, he was in search of this love he didn't receive from either parent. This created wounds and scars that would shape his life forever. Fast forward a few years, my wife and I had taken in one of the football players I had coached. Uh, he was adopted at the age of eight, but his adopted parents had had enough with him. So as soon as he turned 18, uh, they were kicking him out to be on his own. Uh, we took in this young man. Uh, and tried to help him acclimate to adulthood. His adopted parents kept in touch with us. They became like coaches to us in this helping him uh, to strive. Uh, the adopted mom explained to me that her son was diagnosed with a disorder called reactive attachment disorder, something we were totally oblivious to, uh, but soon would learn the symptoms of. And as we begin this journey, Something about his life reminded me of my father. Uh, you see, some of the symptoms of this disorder play out in ways you wouldn't suspect. 
reactive detachment disorder uh, doesn't allow you to attach. Uh, this disorder usually comes about during childhood when those who were supposed to raise and love you actually cause you trauma. And you have a difficult time attaching to people who try to love and help you. You can start a job or a relationship, but you really don't have the tools to sustain it. And anything that starts to look like you are sustaining or attaching starts to bother you. And you then take on this saboteur-like personality and ruin things. Now, don't look to your neighbor and try diagnosing anybody. But there's a scene in the movie called uh, Talladega Nights, the ballad of Ricky Bobby. Now, it's not a Christian movie, so I wouldn't suppose you all have seen it. <laughs> but there's this scene where uh, Ricky Bobby is kind of united with his family and his mom at the restaurant, and his dad is there. And uh, his dad is kind of like, you know, filling the situation, and the kids are saying a blessing. And, and it's just, there's just this atmosphere of together, unity, and love. And he starts swarming, kind of, and he's like, yeah, I'm about to do something to mess this up. <laughs> and so he creates this commotion, and, and they're like, what is wrong with that? Like, overreacting to uh, uh, having dinner together. And he sort of displayed those characteristics, like this, this moment that's unfamiliar to me, and I feel like I'm liking this, but it's so strange. Let me do something to mess it up. And so he caused this commotion where he gets in his car and drives off and says something like, if you're not first, you're last, or something like that to uh, Ricky Bobby. It's a very funny movie, but you don't have to go and uh, watch the whole thing. Uh, so it reminded me a lot of, of, of the kid I took in and, and, and my father. And so my father would try and try, but never succeeded in relationships. Uh, but God was going to change all that. And understanding that my father wasn't able to love me the way I wanted as a child, I realized what he didn't have to give. So I began to show my father love. Now, my father grew up in this era where uh, love and affection really wasn't a part of upbringing. You know, some of you may be familiar. I've had friends say, you know, I'm this old, but I've never heard my mother or father say, uh, they love me. Um, so after every phone conversation, I would make sure to say to my dad, Dad, I love you. And it would go something like this. It's like, okay, Dad, uh, I'm actually at work right now. We've been on the phone for an hour. Uh, you know, I'll call you back. He said, okay, okay. All right, Dad, I love you. And he'll just start stuttering. Uh, uh, okay, talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> And it was so strange to him that somebody would end the conversation that way. But me being comfortable and understanding God and the love that he's given me, even in the absence of my father, I was able to show my father the love that I had experienced from God. And by the end of this sort of, um, these phone conversations, before it was all said and done, he was able to say, uh, I love you too, at the end of a phone conversation. One night, I'm on the phone with my dad, and he begins to tell me a vulnerable story. One day, he's up late watching a preacher on TV, 
I can't remember all the details, but this preacher was speaking on the Holy Spirit. And for some reason, my dad explained to me that he couldn't stop crying after hearing this sermon. And when he said that to me, I knew exactly what he was talking about. You see, the therapy that they have for kids who are dealing with reactive attachment disorder is interesting. Uh, They have the kids sit with a therapist uh, that does nothing but hold them. They have the kids... uh, They have the kids sit with a therapist that does nothing but hold them, and eventually, you hold them long enough, they would just burst into tears. Uncontrollably, the mere fact of being love and hell has this effect on them. This therapy would give these children something they've been missing and longing for. And when my father told me about this encounter, I knew for the first time that the Holy Spirit had gotten a hold of him. And for the first time, he had knew what it felt like to be loved. And he could not stop crying. Now, you got to understand that the vulnerability for my dad to even share this story with me. Um, for the first time in his life, God reached out to him through this television, and he had found his father, the everlasting father. And his healing began. Years later, my father would pass away. And I had the privilege of doing his eulogy. And it felt like the greatest gift I could give to him. To be able to share with everyone else who didn't quite understand him and what he was going through and what he was experiencing. All of my life, I kind of witnessed my dad in search for this love that he couldn't find in his own father, in his own mother. But I'm so grateful for the opportunity that I had to reconcile with my dad and that he is now with his father eternally. San Marino Church, you may have your father with you or he may have gone on to be with the Lord But unto us, we have been given the father of all fathers. Uh, He is Emmanuel, God with us. And my prayer is that even in your times of doubt, that you never forget that he is the everlasting father. Amen.